heaven. We need heaven. So that's where we're going tonight and next week. Heaven, not what you think. So where we are going tonight is John chapter 14, and we are going to look at this. Heaven, what is it? And this isn't going to be a, an uh, exposition breakdown on uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. We're going to read it, give an overview, and then get going, because uh, we need encouragement. We need heaven. We're going to go there. Let's find out about this place that we are going to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would bless this time here and that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you travel anywhere, if you're, if you're just got like half a brain, you, you plan ahead. Why? Should I not then plan ahead for heaven, right? So uh, Pastor Craig and I are traveling for just a couple of days this week. So you know what I did this afternoon? I looked at the weather report. And I want to know what clothes do I have to pack. I already know the area that we're going to. So that's, you know, I've been there before. Um, Jesus has built the place we're going to, but none of us have been there yet. But, but why would you not want to plan ahead, right? So um, when we went on this footsteps of Paul trip, uh, we went into Turkey, we went into Greece, we went into Italy. We saw some absolutely remarkable things, and it was fantastic. Uh, going to Israel many times, as many times as I, I, I've been there, I still plan ahead. I still do a little bit more research, because I, I, I want to actually discover new things or see new things that I haven't seen before. Uh, one of the things with Israel that I'm doing is I'm learning conversational Hebrew, Although people in Israel already speak English, it's just one of the languages, Hebrew and English, that they speak and speak it everywhere, uh, I still want to be able to converse in their language. And, and, and so you go places. It would have been great to have known a little bit of Italian before going to Italy, though. That's a whole different story. Uh, they, they prefer you to speak in Italian. When they realize you're an American, they kind of look at you like, all right, what do you want, pepperoni on your pizza, something like that. But you want to learn the language, the customs. If you're going to travel somewhere, clothing, climate, places to visit. There might be family there. There might be friends uh, or acquaintances that you want to get connected with. Uh, there may be a restaurants that you want to eat. There's a program I love watching on Netflix. Uh, Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, anybody see those Phil Rosenthal programs? Oh man, they're great. If you like good food. It goes all over the world. So he's been to Israel. So there's some restaurants in Israel I get to discover next time. In Italy. Oh, oh yeah. So yeah. So oh, it's great. Yeah, but, but yeah, and highlights. You'd want to plan ahead. Why would we not want to do that to, in our plans to going to heaven? Although we plan so much just to travel across our state or, uh, state or across the country, there's little thought that is given to heaven. How can you look forward to a place that you know so little or nothing about? I suppose that uh, that's why many people want to go to heaven, um, but just not yet, right? Because <laughs> they don't know a whole lot about it. Even Christians lack in the understanding of what heaven is. So this is what's going to happen tonight and next Sunday night. The Bible will be our travel guide, and in it, the writers of the Bible and Jesus himself will be our tour guide. And I am convinced there is, 
There, there's so much stuff that is just happening right now on the big scene of this world, but also in the lives of individuals. Loss of loved ones and just broken homes and just sad things that happen. That I believe we need a little bit of encouragement. And one thing I found out, one of the most encouraging things I can do is remind myself what heaven is going to be like and get an understanding with Jesus as our tour guide and the apostles as our tour guides to get a glimpse into heaven and see this place that we are going. Because guess what? This earth is not our home. We are passing through. Isn't that good news? I think it's great news. So let's begin by, first of all, looking at what heaven is not. Heaven is not boring. In fact, you will never be bored in heaven for all of eternity. Uh, that's hard for us to imagine here on earth because if we have a little bit of downtime, we can start to be bored. So you get out your phone, you start playing games. Or, it's like we've got to be occupied with something. But, but that's because of the way that we are created and we also have this sin nature that we have inherited. But in heaven, it is a whole different ball game. Uh, and although you're, you're never going to be bored, you want to know what else? Physical energy is not going to be an issue. I think that's great. Anybody in here ever get like, you want a siesta in the afternoon, like every afternoon of your life? You'll never have to go to the doctor. You'll never have to have a checkup at any type of clinic. Uh, but for whatever reason, the enemy of our souls has been successful at leading people to believe that heaven is boring. So the enemy of our souls has uh, people led to believe that this is what heaven's going to be like. You're going to get a harp. You're going to be floating on a cloud, playing a harp forever and ever and ever and ever, right? I... I, I I don't know, that doesn't sound, uh, that's, that's not me. Um, or, 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 or the precious moments, um, you know, you get your angel wings when you die and you turn into this precious moments cherub or something like that. I, I don't know. Listen, we don't get angel wings when we die, did you know that? No matter what you have seen in Christmas movies, that is not in the Bible. Uh, when you hear the bells, uh, that's not how that works you know that movie what movie is that charlie brown's christmas or something it's a wonderful life i don't know about you that might sound exciting um to me it doesn't sound exciting the other thing that doesn't sound exciting is getting up at five o'clock in the morning and going to the gym that is also something that's not exciting to me but here's something else to think about what heaven is not uh, earth isn't heaven, so don't expect it to be, right? Uh, think of it like this. Sometimes on this planet, things don't work out well for us. And uh, it can be difficult. Uh, things go wrong. Uh, listen, we are not in heaven yet. Earth is not heaven, so don't expect it to be. But one day in Christ, we will be going there. So now that we've established basically what heaven is not, let's look for our next few minutes at heaven and, and, and what it is. So in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus says this to his disciples. This is the same night that he gets betrayed. He just, in John chapter 13, Jesus goes through the foot washing ceremony with the apostles and the apostle Peter. He's about ready to be betrayed by Judas with a kiss. 
But in John chapter 14, it's between the foot washing and the betrayal of the kiss. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. What are you talking about? And how can we know the way? How do we get there? Verse 6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So what is this place in John 14 that Jesus is talking about that Thomas, the disciple, he questioned, where is this? Tell us about it. We want to know. Well, we, we, we find out what it's like by starting to ask some questions. So the first question regarding heaven, because that's what Jesus is referring to, there's a place, is heaven a real physical place? Yes. Think on this. In verse 3, Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. And receive you to myself. I believe that's a reference to the rapture. He's receiving us up. I will receive you to myself. What does he say? That where I am, there you may be also. What is there? It is where Jesus is. Where I am, you may be there too. And if you think Jesus doesn't have a nice home, uh, you know, listen, you need to think again. Could you, th- I mean, could you imagine if Jesus is in heaven? He goes, man, i got this place up here for you. I can't believe the mansions they build in Beverly Hills. Why didn't I think about that? I mean, if the Lord stopped doing that, right? I mean, the best man can imagine he builds. It's, it's like a man's greatly, greatly limited. But where and there, where I am, there you may be also. Where and there refer to a location. And receive you implies you are moving to a physical destination where Jesus lives. Listen, moving day is coming. Because I'm in Christ, I know where I am moving. I'm going to ask you, do you know where you're moving? Because moving day is coming. I'm moving to heaven. If you're in Christ, you are moving to heaven on moving day. So what kind of place can that be? Well, think of it like this. We don't long for a non-body or a non-location, right? I look forward to a new body. I need a new body. I want a new body. I'm excited about getting a body that can eat donuts. (laughs) But we do not long for a non-body or a non-location, right? We have where and there. Or a non-culture, Randy Alcorn says. We don't look for a non-body, a non-location with a non-culture suspended in emptiness. We desire a new body and are promised a new body designed for our new location and even a place that will have better culture. This is all really good to me. I look at this and I go, 
Is heaven a real physical place? Yes, it is. We will have a new body, not a non-body. We will be in a new location, not a non-location. I'm not going to be on a cloud, playing a harp, forever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And there will be culture there. How do I know that? Because some of the things that the Bible says. Think of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, the Bible says that heaven is a city. What do cities have? Cities have people, music, buildings, activities, gatherings, art, cafes, athletics, as Alcorn says in his book on heaven. God created music. And God gives people ability to play. The music in heaven will be unbelievable. And the art and activities will be out of this world. I even believe that there will be athletics in heaven. And I even believe that I'll be able to be a baseball star in heaven. That's something that, that's right. No matter what my dad thought about my baseball abilities. Several years ago, probably 25 years ago, Jackie and I, we used to go to the Philharmonic. And uh, if you ever, anybody ever been to those? Ugh, man, they're, they're fantastic. One time we went and saw Andre Bocelli. And it was, just, it was just absolutely terrific. So that is music that is limited because of our limitations, because of our sin nature. So I, I, if you start to think this out, well, why would God... Not ha- why would we not? Man, can you imagine the hallelujah chorus in heaven? We know what the words are because we can read it in the book of Revelation and also in Isaiah. But I think about these things and, and athletics and culture and music and, on down, and, and arts. Now, this might seem, sound strange also. I'm going to add one more thing to it. I like really cool cafes. I, 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 I uh, like to go and check them out. I'll hear about one. I'll go to it. I'll say, Man, you've got to get uh, take pictures of it. I like to recreate those things sometime if I could. Let me ask you this. Cities have these things. Why, not, not, here it is. why would there not be cafes in heaven? Can you give me a biblical reason why not? Well, I don't like coffee. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> I mean, why... Am, and if there is coffee in heaven, it's going to be really, really good. But if you start to think about it, man does his best to make this world comfortable, and man is limited in abilities and imagination and everything. I mean, you start to play this picture out, and you see the things that God must have created. Listen, heaven is a real place. It's not a non-culture. It's not a non-body thing. It's... Uh, not a non-location. So heaven is described as a city. Also in Hebrews, heaven is described as a country. Uh, we look at the mountains and, and we uh, see the beauty of God's creation. And, and by the way, this earth is suffering because of the curse of sin. But you look at it even with the curse of sin, you start to see pictures like this. You can just go all over the internet and get all kinds of beautiful pictures. This picture was taken somewhere up in Canada. You look at that and you go, wow, it's so pretty. And you look at this, isn't that beautiful? I mean, you look at that right here in our own valley. 
you look up at the sunrise some mornings if you get up early enough and you see the, uh, over the San Jacinto Mountain, and you look at the mountain ranges all around, and if you're up on the hills, you can look down below at the valley. It's a beautiful place. What's messed up this planet is men and women. They've messed it up. But you imagine what heaven is going to be like if we live in a world that is suffering under the curse, a planet that is suffering under the curse. And then you think of places like Maui, and you think, wow, I mean, Maui's a nice place. I've been there. Italy was a nice place. And you start looking at these things and you're going, man, compared to heaven, nothing. Here we have rivers and beaches and oceans and lakes and trees and flowers and and on down the, the list. But the heavenly country, as we think of it, it's hard for us to fathom just what God has created and what the country of heaven uh, will will be like. I have a lot of imaginations about it based upon the Bible. We won't be able to get to all of them tonight. But man, it's exciting. Think about this. The Apostle Paul tells us that he was caught up into the third heaven and he called it paradise. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 12. Excuse me. Can I read it to you? He says this, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, he's speaking third person, I know, he's talking about himself, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Can you imagine that? Just the things he heard, I can't even say it. Wow. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul saying, man, I went to third heaven. There are things I can't even tell you about. And then right after that, God gave him a thorn in the flesh that would keep him humble and keep his mouth shut. That's how incredible heaven is. That God had to zip the lip of the apostle Paul. And so we have these glimpses of what heaven will be uh, like so what do we have is heaven a real place a physical place yes number two where's the exact location of heaven it's 37 miles that way <laughs> think on this to understand this concept of heaven know that there's more than one heaven shown to us in the bible so let me show you about the different types of heaven Uh, There's the first heaven that's spoken of in the Bible, um, and that's our immediate atmosphere. That's where the birds are flying and uh, where we see the the sky. Uh, The second heaven is outer space. Uh, That's the cosmos, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies. So we have that, right? The first heaven, the second heaven, the cosmos, and then there is the third heaven, the place where God currently dwells, this is also the place that we just read, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul says, man, I was caught up into the what heaven? Into the third heaven, and let me tell you, it was an incredible place. This is also the place, excuse me just one second, 
I can't have this on camera. I can't do it in front of, I can't, like my nose in front of you, you, people are looking at me. This third heaven is also the place where the believer goes when they die. Their soul or spirit is separated from the body. Um, At that point, uh, as Don Stewart says, our soul or spirit is given some kind of intermediate body waiting for the day when God will resurrect their dead, a physical body, and renew it, making it better than it has ever been uh, been before. We will have a new body, a body that never suffers or feels any pain. We're going to see our bodies next time, next Sunday night. We're going to see our relationships that we have with each other next Sunday night also. But this is the thing that happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise, right? And we who are alive and remain are caught up to, together to meet the Lord in the air with them. So the dead body then comes out of the grave and gets their new body, and we are caught up, and we also get a new body at that moment. But right now, when a believer dies, their body goes into the grave, but their spirit goes into the presence of the Lord, into this third heaven. Uh, when, I, when I think of this and the great resurrection that is coming, I couldn't help but be encouraged by these words from C.J. Mahaney. And he was talking about um, the need to see through the fog of this world. He gave a great illustration. Because in this world, um, you just sometimes you, you can just get so far down, you can't see the goal line. You can't see end. You can't tell which way is up. You're wondering, God, do you hear? And I love this. And he goes, he writes, uh, perhaps you've come to this book burdened, discouraged, depressed, or, or even traumatized. Perhaps your dreams, your marriage, career, or ambitions have crumbled. Perhaps you've become cynical or lost hope. A biblical understanding of the truth about heaven can change all that. He writes, in 1952, young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother, in a boat alongside, told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away. At a news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. This other author commented on that, and he said, consider her words. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. For believers, that shore is Jesus and being with him in the place that he promised to prepare for us, where we will live with him forever. The shore we should look for is that of the new earth. If we can see through the fog and picture our eternal home in our mind's eye, it will comfort and energize us. He writes, if you're weary and don't know how you can keep going, he writes, I pray this book will give you vision, encouragement, and hope, no matter how tough life gets. If you can see the shore and draw your strength from Christ, you'll make it. I love that. When we think of heaven in in the present, we are reminded that it is upward. I believe upward in another dimension. 
we are um, confined to time and space as human beings. The spirit world is not. Uh, it, perhaps sometime on a Sunday night, we'll be able to, I'll be able to do a message on angels and demons, and we'll be able to get into the various uh, dimensions that I believe are out there. But for now, we can know that the present heaven, the third heaven, is up. How is that? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible tells us Christ ascended far above all the heavens. Remember the first heaven, the second heaven, he ascended far above them all. Where's above? It's up. I already told you. It's easy. Where's above? Let me try it again. Where's above? Okay. All right. Good. It's just, you know. <laughs> Man, you guys have gotten really lazy since I've been gone. <laughs> Acts chapter 1. As the disciples watched, Jesus was taken up. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Very good. Two letters. You did that very well. Sounded it perfectly with phonics. Currently, heaven is up. I believe up in a dimension that is outside of time and space. That is time and space as we know them with our limited human uh, capacities. However... In the future, what are we going to have? We are going to have the millennial kingdom, which is a type of heaven. And we are also going to have, after the millennial kingdom, the new heaven and the new earth. That's a lot of heaven when you start putting it together. The first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, then the millennial kingdom, and then a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, I'll close with just these final two sections regarding the millennial kingdom, and then the final one, the new heaven and the new earth. So third question is this. What is the millennial kingdom? So the term millennia comes from two Latin words that mean 1,000 years. Uh, the understanding of the future millennial kingdom comes from Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, where uh, the Bible teaches that believers shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for how long? A thousand years, hence the millennial kingdom. At the end of the great tribulation, Jesus the Messiah will come back to earth. And we who are with him, those of us who have been caught up to meet the Lord in there at the rapture, then the tribulation will take place. We will come back with him. He's going to be leading the charge on that white horse. Revelation 20, uh, uh, 20, 21, and 22, we've read all about it. Chapter 19, actually, 20, 21, 22. We have the Lord Jesus Christ returning, setting up the millennial kingdom. The, the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Jesus rides into the place, the valley of Megiddo. He wipes them out, and he goes and he establishes his throne there in Jerusalem. And we get to rule and reign with him. thousand years. What's going to happen during that thousand years? It's going to be awesome. Let me put it into a little bit of perspective that we can understand. Right now, this world has violence, riots, murders, racial tensions, kidnappings, wars and rumors of wars, sex trafficking, earthquakes, pestilence, famines, traitors, liars, deceivers, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, people who have a form of spiritualism but deny the true power thereof and they are against God. 
But in the millennial kingdom, it'll be just the opposite. There will be peace on earth. There will be prosperity, justice for all, safe communities, ethical integrity, and on down the list. Some believe that the entire planet will be like the Garden of Eden. I don't know if the entire planet will be. I know that Israel will be. We'll look at that in just a second. And I also do believe this. It might not be totally like the Garden of Eden everywhere on the planet, but Hammett is going to be awesome. You know that bumper sticker, Hemet is Heaven? And that coffee mug that you have at home? You have Anybody got one of those at home? I should sell them here. Would you buy one if I sold one for $5? Would you buy it if I sold it for 10 Would you buy it if I sold it for 50 No! How about a buck? How about free? You guys won't even take a free Hemet is Heaven coffee mug. I am so disappointed. But imagine that if you can, because things will change. Uh, during this time, there will be changes to the planet. In Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 and 2, we read this. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and with singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. That is going to be so awesome. That's one of the reasons why I love going to Jerusalem so much. You go there and you go, the Lord is coming here again. Man, this is going to be great. You want to go with me? Would you go for five bucks? Would you go for 10? Would you go for 50 grand? Sure, come on, let's go. I don't know why I do these things. Things get in my head that just, I don't know. But think about what the Garden of Eden once was like. Adrian Rogers writes, he says, uh, said, he passed away some time ago. He writes, one day Cain and Abel found a wall, and they climbed it, and they looked over. Uh, they went back to Adam and said, Daddy, you will never believe what we saw. They then described the luxurious foliage, the fruit and the flowers. They said, Daddy, do you think we could ever live in a place like that? Adam said, we did once. as before your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? <laughs> if you didn't get it, go back to Genesis chapter 3, read it, you'll, you'll be good. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 3 also tells us, For the Lord will make Zion's wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. I don't know about the deserts throughout this planet, but I do know the deserts that are connected with the nation of Israel and the land of the Jews is going to be changed. It will be like Eden in the desert, like the garden of the Lord. That is going to be awesome. But as I look at this, in my mind, Hemet is getting better and better all the time. If I read my Bible. <laughs> you know, if I drive down Florida Avenue, that's different. But, you know, um, for those of you who are watching via Internet, just, um, you don't know, they don't know what we're talking about. Come and visit. There will be changes to the planet. There will be changes in the animal kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 8, the Bible tells us, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leper shall lie down with the young goat. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. No more coyotes eating my cats. They can stay out at night. I don't have to worry about them anymore. And no more cats eating the mice. 
I just hope there's no more mice because the mice are a problem. But I mentioned that's just a basic overview of the millennial kingdom. When we get in the book of Revelation to that passage, to the cha- uh, Revelation chapter 20, we'll see this, we'll get into the details because it really is going to be awesome. But one final thing I want to connect us with before we wrap up for tonight is this. Uh, will the coming new earth have seasons and weather? These are just some of the highlighted questions I wanted to pull out for tonight. Get us a glimpse into what heaven is going to be like. So there's going to be a millennial kingdom. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. So there's a first heaven, a second heaven, a third heaven, right? We got all that? Then the millennial kingdom. That's for a thousand years. At the end of the millennial kingdom, at the end of the thousand years, the Lord is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So that is a lot of heavens, isn't it? So in this new heaven and new earth, just a simple question, one that I've had in my past, will the coming new earth have seasons and weather? Well, Revelation uh, chapter 22 tells us uh, about the new heaven and the new earth. Chapter 22, verse 2, in the middle of its street. You know that street in heaven, Revelation 21, that's paved with gold, that's so pure you can see through it, it's transparent gold, it's like glass. That's street, right? In the middle of its street, And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. I find this interesting. I have a theory on this tree of life. Um, you, You look at the Garden of Eden, and then you look at this tree, the tree of life. And God had to remove Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden because if they, port, uh, if they partook of the fruit of the tree of life, they would live forever in their fallen state. It appears to me that this tree of life is going to appear in the new heaven and the new earth. I think it's pretty cool. It, so you see it in the beginning of the Bible. You see it at the end of the Bible. But look at it. it what's this tree of life do? It's going to have 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Now, my mind, I I realize I'm kind of crazy sometimes, but I like fruit trees. I I like to grow them. Um, I don't like the pests associated with trying to eat all my fruit and things, but it's pretty fun, right? Peaches and nectarines. I'll grow anything that will grow out here, and I'll grow it. But we have four seasons, and you have the harvest according to the type of fruit that you have. Well, we only have four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Actually, out here we have, we have two seasons. Yeah, well, other places they have four seasons. We have summer and then some rain sometimes. That's kind of what we got. But this implies to me 12 different fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. It implies to me that there's 12 seasons in heaven. Is that possible? Can you, okay, try to think, what could be another season? We can't, we can't figure that out in our minds. We are limited. And I look at this and I think, could it be there's winter, spring, summer, and fall, plus eight more seasons that our minds are just incapable of comprehending? I I, I think it's quite possible. Uh, The apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Jesus is going there, and where he's going is this place called heaven. It is a real place, folks. And this world we are passing, um, what we are doing, we are passing through. Check out 
uh, these pictures up here for just a minute. These are some pictures, again, pulled off the internet. You look at that, that was a little bit blurry. Please accept my apology, but that's the way it is. You look at, you, you see the animals that God has created. You ever think about that? This is the mind of God creating animals. You look at these, you look at the different kinds of birds. Isn't that darling? <laughs> One of those monkeys might rip off your hand if you got near it, but hey, they're cute in pictures, right? Picking the, picking the bugs out of his friend. Um, little cute little skunks. And you, and you think of the, the mechanism, the defense mechanism of a skunk. You start looking at the mind of God. Who could know it? Is that, I wonder who took that picture. Give them credit, whoever they are, that's an awesome picture. Look at that jellyfish and a seahorse. Man, I mean, wow. A Grand Canyon. I think that's the Grand Canyon. Beautiful valley. You look at that and you think, man, this is just, uh, to me, you, you look at these things and the mind of God, um, the creation, and this planet that is suffering the curse of sin. What on earth, and it is because of earth, what on earth causes our minds to think this is the best it's going to get? I can't leave this place. God created this with all these different animals. Can you imagine? I believe there's going to be all sorts of animals in heaven. Animals we can't even imagine yet, and we're going to get along with them too. I mean, I start looking at these, going, if, these are, if this is what we experience down here on this planet, imagine what the home of Jesus is going to be like. But consider this. When we are with the Lord, it's going to be a reunion. Loved ones will be reunited, never to be separated again. Children that have passed away will be waiting with open arms to see their moms and dads and brothers and sisters again. Husbands and wives and friends, it will be a reunion of such joy that we cannot possibly fathom the awesomeness of it while we are here on earth with limited imaginations and limits to our brain capacity but the promise of heaven is only for those who have asked Christ to forgive them of their sins. It's for those who are in Christ. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going, I'm going to come back and gather you to myself. And then he said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And then he also said this in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I'm going to build this place. And the place is phenomenal. Let me close with this story. It's one of my uh, favorite ones. I shared it here before on Sundays. I don't think I've ever shared it on Sunday night. But ancient cities would have a, their, um, their roles of their citizens. And if you had a criminal that was trying to get in, or somebody who was a, an enemy that was trying to get in, you couldn't get in because your name wasn't written in their book. Uh, kind of like we have in any country now. You try to keep the criminals out of the country and just that sort of thing. It's just a normal thing that you do. I, I'm thinking you try to keep criminals out of your house and things like that, right? Um, they're not part of your family. You've got to be part of God's family to get in. So think of this. Ruthanna Metzger, a professional singer, tells a story that illustrates the importance of having our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the, uh, knowing that you are saved. 
Several years ago, she was asked to sing at the wedding of a wealthy man. According to the invitation, the reception would be held on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower at the northwest tallest skyscraper. She and her husband, Roy, were excited about attending. At the reception, waiters in tuxedos offered luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages. The bride and group approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase that led to the top floor. Someone ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs. They announced the wedding feast was about to begin. Bride and groom ascended the stairs, followed by their guests. At the top of the stairs, a maitre d' with a bound book greeted the guests outside the doors. May I have your name, please? I'm Ruth Anna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy. He searched the M's, and he says, I'm not finding your name here. Would you spell it? Ruth Anna spelled her name slowly. After searching the book, the maitre d' looked up and said, I'm sorry, your name ain't in the book. There must be some mistake, she replied. I'm a singer. I sang for the wedding. The gentleman answered, it doesn't matter who you are or what you did. Without your name in the book, you cannot attend the banquet. He motioned to a waiter and said, show these people to the service elevator. Meskers followed the waiter past beautifully decorated tables laden with shrimp, whole smoked salmon, magnificent carved ice sculptures. Adjacent to the banquet area, an orchestra was preparing to perform. The musicians all dressed in dazzling white tuxedos. The waiter led Ruthanna and Roy to the service elevator, ushered them in, and pushed G for the parking garage. After locating their car and driving several miles in silence, Roy reached over and put his hand on Ruthanna's arm. Sweetheart, what happened? When the invitation arrived, I was busy, Ruthanna replied. I never bothered to RSVP. Besides, I was the singer. Surely I could go to the reception without returning the RSVP. Ruthanna started to weep, not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to, but also because she suddenly had a small taste of what it will be like someday for people as they stand before Christ and find their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Throughout the ages, countless people have been too busy to respond to Christ's invitation to his wedding banquet. Many assume that they've, uh, the good they've done, perhaps attending church, being baptized, singing in the choir, or helping in the soup kitchen will be enough to gain entry into heaven. The people who do not respond to Christ's invitation to forgive their sins are people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. To be denied entrance to heaven's wedding banquet will not just mean going down the service elevator to the garage. It will mean being cast outside, judged for sins, in a place the Bible describes as hell forever. In that day, no explanation or excuse will count. All that will matter is whether our names are written in the book. If they're not, we'll be turned away. So with that, this is for everybody in here and for everybody watching online. Have you said yes to Christ's invitation? Heaven is for those who say yes. For those who say yes and know Christ, earth is the closest you'll ever get to hell. For those who reject Christ and his forgiveness, earth is the closest you'll get to heaven. Have you said yes to Christ? Has he forgiven you of your sins? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for learning a little bit more about heaven. Lord, I'm excited to learn even more. 
looking forward to next week already, but I pray especially for anybody that may be watching online or maybe even sitting in here. Uh, they want to be forgiven. Lord, I ask that you would move in their hearts and in their minds and bring them to that place of asking Christ to forgive them of their sins. Heaven is for those who say yes to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen.